0: You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders.
1: Cam Chancellor comes up and just unloads. Number 31 clean his clock.
0: Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday.
1: Russell has time. Fires down the middle. Got his man Baldwin. He is in.
0: Touchdown Seahawks. Doug Baldwin again. Powered by Seahawks.com.
2: Welcome to this week's edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast as we get you ready for the Seahawks game against the Philadelphia Eagles in prime time at CenturyLink Field. And to help us do that today, John Boyle joins us from Seahawks dot com. Hello, Jen. Hello, John, along with Aaron Johannes, also
3: from Seahawks.com. Hello, Jen.
2: Hello. Nice to have you back.
3: I don't feel really healthy. Like off your deathbed, apparently. Yeah, strep throat is not cool. It's
2: not good <laughs> as an adult. Like, no. it's not fun anytime, time, but it's really not good as an adult. And so, yeah, we're glad to have you back. Oh, and I should introduce myself. I'm Jen Mueller, sideline reporter for the Seahawks. And the Seahawks are coming off a win against the division opponents. So they are 4-0 and in the NFC West, which is right where they want to be. And for the most part, controlling their destiny if they continue taking bus- taking care of business against the division. But let's start with some of the bright spots, because for as much as injuries have impacted this team, it looks like, Aaron, we're going to get a few of these guys back this week.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of positives. I mean, Mike Davis, who missed last week's game and showed a lot in that game against Atlanta, um, he is practicing this week he looks like he'll be able to come back which is a good sign for the running game um i think mike um, you know he's a, kind of a shifty quick back and i think um for a guy like him on this offense i think that's really good to have along with jd mckissick as well and then you have Eddie delay who, who who got things going last week. i think pete uh said that they finally got to feel him which was a good thing so that's always good for the running game and then you get sh- uh, Shaq griffin back this week too from his concussion, and uh, for for the secondary, I mean, you're going to have him, you're going to have Byron Maxwell, you're going to have Jimmy Lane, so that also helps to have another uh, DB right there, and they've relied on Shaq the whole year, and he's produced for them, so that's always good to have back for the secondary, too.
2: And perhaps to have some fresh legs, you know, maybe the silver lining in that one, having to miss that game last week, he'll be a little bit fresher, have a little bit more explosion. Last week, we saw the return of Luke Jokel. What does that mean for the offensive line in general, John?
0: You know, I'm... I know this offensive line has been the subject of a lot of criticism over the last few years, but I'm pretty excited about if they can keep this group together th- you know from now to the end of the year, I think we're going to see a, you know, a pretty darn good play out of them by the end of the year. You get Luke Jokel was playing pretty well before this injury. Now he's back. he's feeling better than he was before the surgery. You had Dwayne Brown and now you have two veteran you know solid guys. One of them's a pro bowler. Justin Britt's been playing good, you know, the last two years, and we'll see, you know, how Ethan Posit comes along at right guard if he stays there. But it's, you know, if you could finally get some continuity in that group, they, they've been pass-protecting pretty well as the season's gone on, and I think they'll only get better, and hopefully they can get their, help get their run game going a little bit. But, yeah, that group, you know, it's kind of been the much maligned position group on this team, and at times fairly. At other times, I think kind of they've become the unfair whipping boy of the team. But I, I just – I think there's – a lot of potential there now that, I mean, those guys didn't practice together on the left side last week. They still played a pretty good game, and now they're going to get, you know, Dwayne Brown's getting healthier so he can practice, and I, I, I think that group's just going to grow.
2: And how much of it, and, and you and I have covered this team for a long time, I was going to say very long time, but then that makes it seem like we're very old. Old, yes.
0: Since Aaron was probably in high school. Yeah, we're not (laughs)
2: going to get into that part. But there is also this optimism that once you turn the corner to December, whether it's because the offensive line is together or because it's Mike Davis coming back, the Seahawks just look like a different team in December.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot that goes into that, but it really just starts with kind of the mindset that... Pete Carroll instills in this whole group and you know coaches and players that you know you hear about in games this idea of you know you win a game in the fourth quarter but that extends the season too and it's finishing and it's some of its mindset but some of its how you know how they go about practice you know resting guys when they need to the tempo of practice when they need to kind of take it easy on guys um I think you know, Bobby Wagner talked about this, kind of the attention detail. They're still, you know, they're not doing live tackling to the ground, but they're still doing drills to focus on tackling that you might see other teams do in training camp and kind of give up on that they just keep at all season. And it's, you get this mentality of when other teams are kind of starting to wear down is when we want to be at our best. And it's, it's shown in their record, really going back to Russell Wilson's for, rookie year when this team kind of really got going, they've been a really good team in November and December.
2: And they've been a really good team in the fourth quarter of games to the other part of being a team that finishes. The Seahawks have held the lead or been within one score in the fourth quarter 113 times in their last 115 games. They're That's hard, so yeah. impressive. Yeah.
0: They, Yeah, I mean, they had that streak forever where they hadn't even lost a game by more than a touchdown that finally came to an end in Green Bay. But, yeah, they're – I mean, the way they are resilient that we've seen – Games where it looks like they're out of it early. I mean, just the Atlanta game a couple weeks ago, they got down big early, and you just think, okay, it's going to snowball on them. And you see it around the NFL all the time, even really good teams, you kind of get this sense of it's not their day, and they never get back into it. And the Seahawks seem to always find a way to, even on the days they don't win, to make it really interesting.
2: It really makes it stressful when you're watching a game and when you're on the sidelines. And I, a few years ago, I just kind of started to realize this is the way it's going to be. And you can get as amped as you want, but it's going to come down to the last play. You might as well keep your wits about you because this is going to be an exciting finish. And Aaron, when you look, one of the Seahawks who's been able to be exciting from start to finish this year is bobby wagner and every week we talk about him and i'm going to keep talking about him just to make sure that he stays in the conversation that he belongs in
1: Hyde empties the backfield as bether takes a shotgun snap throws one near side ball is bobbled but caught at the 15 no it's taken away by bobby Wagner. down to the 10 down to the five he's into the end zone is it a touchdown it is touchdown seahawks Now the key is, was Wagner down on the ground or was he on top of the receiver? After revealing the play, the ruling on the field is confirmed. It is an interception. And it's Seattle's ball, first and 10 at the 16-yard line.
2: So we have an interception each way now. But this one, the Seahawks look to be able to do some more damage here as they have the ball first and 10 at the Niners' 16-yard line.
3: Yeah, rightfully so. I've been saying this for, like, the last, like, two years. Like, Bobby Wagner he should always be I think a, the, the Defensive Player of the Year um, award um, just from the discussion and I mean look at last year I mean he led the league in tackles last year right and I think obviously the award a lot of times goes to guys that you know puts up a lot of put up a lot of sacks and that's rightfully so because that does impact games a lot more than tackles does but I think when you just look at it, every single year and you look at the production that Bobby has had especially last year just right off top he didn't even get a vote for Defensive Player of the Year which is to me that's shocking and when you look at the impact that he had, not only just with tackles, but everywhere else last year for him not to get a vote was a little strange to me. But then you just look at this year and he's not only just doing the tackles, but he's doing the interceptions. He's doing the fumbles. He's doing so much more for this defense. And I think the other thing that's also contributing to him now this year is that, you know, Hey, look, he doesn't have Cam Chancellor behind him. He doesn't have Richard Sherman out to the left of him. And so, And one thing I think he talked about maybe a few weeks ago I should mention is that he talked about how much more communication he has to do now without Sherm or without Cam behind him. And so I think that plays a bigger role to this year when you look at the injuries on this defense and look at the impact that he has. um, I think that's going to help him a little bit more in the award. And I think – um unfortunately uh he hasn't gotten the the love that he should, but I think he definitely should be in that conversation now,
2: you know that's a really interesting point for a couple of different reasons, but John, we've talked about this before with sometimes when you have a defense that's as good as the Seahawks defense mm-hmm. has been, it goes against you in the yeah. voting
0: we've heard player uh, Richard Sherman's made that point when he's trying to you know hype up his teammates and i I think Aaron's right it's you know it shouldn't take guys being hurt to notice one guy playing as well as he has but If this defense can finish the season, they've played pretty well the last two weeks, and if they can finish the season strong and this team can win some games, if people look at, okay, they lost two Pro Bowl guys in the back end and this defense didn't fall apart, it's going to be because of guys at all three levels. But I think the national narrative will become, well, look how valuable Bobby Wagner really is. And he is, I mean, he could have been deserving last year. He could have been deserving 2014. I mean, he's been really his whole career. He's had at least 100 tackles every year and he's at 745 tackles with five games left in his sixth season. It's pretty remarkable what he's done. And, you know, you you hate for injuries to come up, but maybe a silver lining of that can be, whether it's Earl Thomas or Bobby Wagner, some other guys kind of getting some of the appreciation they deserve.
2: And it's not just being able to tackle. It's being able to get better at different parts of his game. And this is what Pete said about the area of emphasis that he really worked on during the offseason.
1: You know, when when guys have have been through the system long enough and they really have the command of the system, then uh, and they and they've mastered the expectations of the technique and the principle and the reads, then they can take themselves to a point where they can start to improvise and they can innovate with their thoughts and their, their, what they're saying, and that's that's what you see in. in, in in our, like A guy like Bobby, who has been in our system so long, he now has the freedom to make the plays that he sees. And so uh, he knows that he'll take his shots at times, and he'll do it masterfully because he knows what he's up against. He can, he can measure the opportunity, and he can sense when it's time to go. So um, you know, that's, that's a, a mark that separates players from you know, young guys coming along and trying to figure it out. They're not quite freed up yet to go ahead and, and take shots. So how do we do it, you asked. We encourage them. We, and, and by trusting him and trusting the preparation and the process that, you know, he'll make the right choices. And, uh, for the most part, you know, he's, he's, he's got a great batting average, you know, he's going to hit it. So, um, and that's when you, when you know you, you are making progress with your guys is when you're at that level of trust and, 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 relationship where you can cut guys loose. And that's where the real, you know, the real beautiful stuff happens out there.
2: You saw his route recognition come into play against the Niners and in that interception that he had. And I, I know that it's plays like that that help bolster that defensive player of the year. And he talked about this a little bit, that he can't go out of position to start making these plays. But how is it that we are seeing Bobby a little bit more? Is he being brought more on a blitz this year? Have they changed his responsibilities at all? Where he is having a chance to make some of those impact plays that Aaron said that really get voters to take notice?
0: You know, I think it's a few things. He He's talked about this and Pete Carroll just did as well that, you know, he he made focusing on his pass drops and his coverage a little bit a bigger part of his offseason. So he's been better in pass coverage. He's got six passes defense this year. Um, couple interceptions. It really goes back to last year. They started bringing him on some more blitzes. So the sack numbers aren't there yet, but he's getting some pressures. He's hitting quarterbacks. And, you know, Bobby's mentioned this himself. Give credit to guys like Sheldon Richardson, too. You know, that defensive line is playing really well, and you get a lot more chances to make those big you know, tackles for loss, things like that, when you've got a defensive line doing what they're doing.
3: I think that's another good point. When you just look at like Sheldon Richardson, the defensive line, the pass for us helping him out as well. I mean, they had 13 pressures last week, which is an insane among yeah, um, San a Francisco. Lot. To, they did. Uh, and, C.J.
2: and to be fair, that quarterback could not handle the pressures nearly as well as some of those veterans that we had seen in the previous week. Right. So it, it, looks, it looks even – more, I don't know, skewed, impressive, like whatever words you want to say. It, it was certainly more noticeable last week.
3: Right. And, um, I, you know, I think one thing I've even noticed this, this year is I've just noticed, I mean, he's been doing this last year. He's been doing this since I've started watching, but i am just seen Bobby in the backfield more. Just making plays, whether it's um, right after, I think it was a, a few weeks ago, there was a play where Sheldon hit somebody um, behind the line of scrimmage, and then you see Bobby, like, right after him. Like, pretty much like right there on the same play. Um, so I think I've I've definitely noticed a little bit more of him in the backfield just on blitzes and stuff too. Um, and just going back to John's earlier point about guys just getting more credit now, I also got to give credit to K.J. right? I think KJ, K.J. doesn't get enough credit as, as well. I mean, he was a pro bowler last year, but um, K.J. kind of gets lost in the fold, I think, for a lot of people when they look at this defense. But K.J. Des- definitely deserves a lot more credit than he's getting right now.
2: Yeah, it it is interesting because those two as a tandem, boy, I'd have to go check games played next to each other, but they have got to be right up there in number of games played by an NFL tandem. And certainly to control just the middle of the field the way that they do, and I have talked to KJ about this before, and I said, you know, KJ, how do you kind of keep going? Because you aren't getting the same recognition as Bobby, so what's your motivation? At some point in time, we all want to be recognized for how well we do our jobs. And he said, we talk about this before the beginning of every season. I don't care what anybody outside this organization thinks. I just want to know that my guys in the locker room are getting what they need from me and that I continue to to be, a very high-level contributor for them, which I think on this defense and on this team in general, it has to be the mindset. Whether you are a linebacker or a wide receiver, and I think it's part of what makes this group so unique. You are alpha males, but even in the scheme of being an alpha male, they understand what their role is.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned receivers. That that position group probably reflects that more than any. You know, you know, maybe not this year, but in years past when this team is really focused on being balanced. There's been years where leading receivers just don't get that many targets. They don't get that many yards. And, look, Doug Baldwin has been one of the best receivers in the NFL for a while now. But he wasn't getting notice for it because he's, you know, maybe getting 70, 60, 70 catches a year for a while. And those numbers have gone up for him. But, you know, it's the being willing to block. It's helping on special teams. It's all those things that that position group has to do. Because if you're the me first, I need my catches kind of guy, it's not going to work for you here.
2: Yeah, no, and it's so interesting, and and Doug Baldwin seemed incredulous when we went to his locker. He he was one of the first guys that we talked to after that win in San Francisco, and he looked up, and he's like, why are you going to talk to me? I understand that he only had a couple targets in the second half, but to show how valuable he is, one of his third down, one of his catches, that third down conversion, is what got the offense situated and going in the second half. Yeah, I mean, you could
0: argue that was the play of the game for that offense, which up to that point had really – done next to nothing they had one touchdown off a very short field thanks to mr bobby wagner we've been discussing but um yeah it's you know it it wasn't a game where he got the ball a lot but that was such a huge play and you know russell Wilson did his thing ran around and then doug made a great catch adjusting the ball and i tell you third down is it's like you almost feel like it's automatic just throw it to dev baldwin it's gonna work out for you
2: yeah, and he
0: should know by now. You know, when you're when you're a leader of this team and a, a Pro Bowl guy, the, the media is going to come find you, whether you, whether Look, you, when you're a good talker. I'm going to find t- you. Exactly. I yeah, you. I know you should not yeah. be
2: surprised to see me standing at your locker. Like nobody in there should be surprised <laughs> yeah. when I walk up with a microphone <laughs> and I want to talk to you. Um, Doug's third down play, the way this defense is played, is it kept the Seahawks in the conversation of the playoff chase. But if the season ended today, they would still be on the outside looking in. And yet, it does not matter how many times somebody asks me about this. I say, just wait until the end of December. Am I the only one that is crazy enough to think that the Seahawks might actually be in the perfect position? Aaron, because you're giving me a look like you are nutso, lady.
3: <laughs> you no, know, uh, I, I mean, I'm just, looking at, I'm just looking at the schedule, and the schedule to me is just really tough. I mean, you got Philadelphia, and then you're at Jacksonville, which did get pushed back a little bit. It did. Bit, which helps. So you
2: have no more 10 a.m. games on right. the West Coast. Yeah. Right.
3: There's Jacksonville, and then you're home against LA. You travel to Dallas, and I mean, Dallas is, is five or six right now, but it's still traveling on the road to Dallas. And then you're at home against Arizona. I mean, last year at home against Arizona towards the end of the year is expected to win, and they turned out to lose that game. So I, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's tough for me. To, it sounds to, like you have no faith,
2: Aaron. John, does it sound like he has no faith?
3: Well, I mean, not no
0: faith. but was, <laughs> I, I They're all valid points, and that's why there's kind of this narrative that the Seahawks cost themselves a lot with these losses. And Oh, and no it, question, and they, they could did. be in a
2: better spot.
0: They could be, but I really do think, as we talked earlier, this team has tended to be able to find that gear it, down the stretch. And I also just – I think it can be good for this team – to hear that, to, they know that people are kind of counting them out and that the Eagles are are the kind of the the new hot next big thing. And I I, I think that, that that could be good for this team. To have people kind of s- maybe think the Seahawks are done and time to move on to crown someone else. And they, they still have something to say about that.
2: Uh, I would agree. And you know what? As I mentioned earlier, you keep beating the teams in your division, and at the end of the year, you are the one in control. Yeah,
0: but they, I mean, they got to take care of th- those, those two losses at home really did set them up where they, yeah. they have a lot less margin for error. But yeah, agreed. I mean, you still, you still, you still have a lot. I mean, you're still pretty much in control. Well, you are in control of your destiny within the division and you can still do a lot of really good things, you know, set yourself up for a pretty good playoff position if you keep winning
2: but they're going to have to get through the Eagles to continue this run and to continue being in the conversation. The Eagles are a tough matchup. They have been a tough matchup for a lot of teams. There's a few different reasons for that. One of them being that they can score points almost at will. They do that with a, you know, a, a, bevy of running backs. They do that with explosive plays. They have scored over 20 points in every single game this season. I believe they're the only team in the NFL to do that, although I would counter with the fact that the Seahawks defense has held opponents to under 20 points in eight games this season. So this matchup is going to be interesting. What's the most intriguing part of it?
3: Oh, You know what? I I think when you look at Philadelphia's offensive line, they're the best offensive line in the league. And you look at the Seahawks' defensive line; it's arguably the best defensive line in the league, best pass rush in the league. And I know it's always just something I always just go back to when I look at matchups, and I I always say defensive line, offensive line, battle in the trenches and whatnot. But to me, that's what I look at. You got two of the best at each of their respective areas going at it, and then now, you know, you look at Philadelphia; they rely also on the running game. I mean, they have three running backs that are. All playing really well for them right now. Legarrette Blunt, obviously, Corey Clement, and Jay Ajayi. And amazingly, I mean, you look at the yards per per rush for them. Legarrette Blunt is 4.8. Uh, Corey Clement is 4.5. And you got Jay Ajayi. I know it's a small uh, small sample size, but this is still amazing. Just to just to put it out there, it's 9.7 yards per carry. Um, I don't think he's going to do any of that this week. But
2: yeah, let's hope that that's like 1.2 or something. <laughs> that that's not even close, and I never get to use that in the game.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, well, the. To piggyback off what Aaron's saying about that battle in the trenches, that run game, I mean, it's it's a number two rushing attack in the NFL from a yards per game standpoint. And we've talked about this, I feel like, the last couple weeks, but the Seahawks run defense, since those kind of early miscues early in the year, has been really, really good. And they're you know, nobody's had they, they have yet to have a running back go over. I think it was fifty four yards was what Lamar Miller had. And just nobody's running the ball on the Seahawks right now. So if you can, you know, I know Carson wants to having a great season. He's an MVP candidate, all that. And for good reason, but I don't care who your quarterback is. If you can make a team one dimensional against this defense at CenturyLink field, it's going to be tough.
2: How legitimate are you as an MVP, MVP candidate when you have played teams that do not have winning records? I mean, like it, what's the competition that you're facing at that point?
0: Well, you can say that about the Seahawks as well. Cause if both teams have not really faced a ton of winning teams yet, it's, I, I, you know, when you talk about Carson Wentz, you 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 did what you should against teams with bad records. You went ten and one, and you put up some good numbers. Now it's it's really prove it time for that whole team. I mean, they they come here, then they go to L. A. You're facing two potential playoff teams in a row. They've I think they've had like five of the last six at home, so it gets a lot tougher for them now. It's it's really prove it time for the Eagles, who to this point absolutely look like the best team in the NFL. But as you said, you know. Who have they done it
3: against and who do they have left? I think unfair as it might also seem sometimes is that, you know, we always look at, no matter every single year, whatever the team's the best team, usually the best player on that team is going to get the award, yeah. right? So, I mean, look at like Philadelphia, they're 10 1, you're going to look right at the quarterback and Carson Wentz. I mean, even a few years ago, Cam Newton, Carolina, I think they were 15 1, and then you, and you 1, can yeah. just look right at Cam and just, oh, well, he's going to win MVP because he's a yeah. quarterback and they're that like, good regardless of schedule, too. So, um, I think he is either him or I think Russ is in that conversation, obviously too. Um, I think you also could throw Tom Brady in there. Um, there are all this, obviously some other players at different positions that should get love, but I, don't, I mean like running backs or receivers, yeah, Antonio but there, Brown, you know.
0: guys like that who you know probably worthy. But as yeah. you said, it's, it usually comes down to best quarterback on. Yeah. A, best type team. So.
3: Yeah. I mean, I I don't think, it, I can't remember if receivers ever won MVP. Hmm. Um, no, never. <laughs> so it's, Not uh, even Jerry Rice. Uh, no. Arguably
0: the greatest player ever. So.
3: Or Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson had 2K yeah. like, yards and he wasn't in the conversation either. Yeah. So, I mean, I believe it's believe tough. Adrian
0: Peterson in 2012 is the last non-quarterback.
3: Yep. That's a good point.
2: Yeah. I also just have a hard time. Look, I, I know that he's the quarterback and he can do a lot of things. He's completing 60% of his passes. And that's a hard thing to look at when you, When you look at where that ranks, there's a whole bunch of other things that quarterbacks do, but I really need you to complete the passes. Now I need you to not do that against the Seahawks and (laughs) having a healthy secondary this week, obviously without Cam and Sherm, because those guys are ruled out for the rest of the year. But I think that that's going to be a big deal. Last question to both of you guys. And John, you touched on it. The fact that people and fans and whoever it is is starting to doubt this team, how much of an impact does that make? Because these guys, the underdog status, it's as big as it's ever been this week in the Russell Wilson era at
3: home.
0: Yeah, I I, I said it earlier, but I think it's good for them. The, you know, players are all going to say they don't care and they, you know, they don't pay attention to that stuff, but they hear it. I mean, you got guys like us in the locker room asking them about it, and you know, KJ Wright, as he said, I think it was earlier this week, he said, "Don't sleep on us." And it's, you know, I, we we've talked about this a little bit before, but when. You lose the guys they've lost on defense. It, it makes a difference. We're talking about three Pro Bowl guys. But there's still a lot of really good players left. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, whether it's Michael Bennett or Bobby Wagner or K.J. Wright or Earl Thomas, I don't think they want to hear about, oh, this defense is doomed because they lost these guys. Like, look, that's still a pretty darn good defense. And they're ready to go out and show against, you know, they know the schedule. It's kind of gauntlet they have coming. Two of the best offenses in the league back-to-back weeks. I, I think this is kind of the that statement time for this defense and I,
3: I'd be surprised if they don't respond pretty well and I still think at the end of the day this defense is still better than a lot of them across the league yeah I mean just I mean just if you have to focus more on the pass rush so be it but at the end of the day this defense still has so much more talent on it than a lot of the defenses that are in the league for I mean sure. look at like how the league is today with, with so many passing offenses like at the end of the day this, this defense is still in good shape and I I still think that fuels them and I think there's nothing wrong with that at all to be if you feel like you're being doubted that's there's nothing wrong with that. yeah
2: you got a good defense and you got a quarterback who can make plays in crunch time when it matters. And boy, I have a feeling they're going to need both of those elements of the game in full force this week against the Eagles. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Seahawks Insider Podcast. We'll be back with you next week to see how they do against Philadelphia and preview the game in Jacksonville.